0: are passing out notes. is called Full Circle. This is the State of the Church Address, which he will explain. Just as the President of the United States had a State of the Union Address, this is a State of the Church Address uh, for us worldwide. This will go to our over 200-plus churches. And I felt it was important. I, I uh, studied, actually, to, to preach this to you, but I felt it was important to have you see Dr. Morocco and be ministered to him. Uh, by him uh, through the video. So would you please stand up on your feet and go ahead and let that that open up and play. Take your Bibles, turn to Genesis 28, put your hands together for Jesus.
1: Genesis 28, let's read in Genesis 28, verses 12 through 22, and then we'll shoot over to Genesis 35, verse 1, and then verses 11 through 15. Let's read the Word of God starting at verse 12. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth while its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north, to the south. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch you over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is nothing other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone, He had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the place Bethel, which means house of God. Though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. Everybody say that. Then the... Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Wow. Let's read now in Genesis 35. Starting to read verse 1. Then God said to Jacob, Go up to Bethel and settle there and build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. Shoot on down to verse 11. And God said to him, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and increase, or be fruitful and multiply. Everybody say, be fruitful and multiply. In number. And a nation and a community of nations will come from you, and kings will come from your body. The land I give to Abraham and Isaac, I also give to you. And I will give this land to your descendants after you. Then God went up from him at the place where he had talked with him. Jacob set up a stone pillar at the place where God had talked with him. And he poured out a drink offering on it. He also poured oil on it. Jacob called the place where God had talked with him Bethel. Everybody say Bethel. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet, a light upon our path. I thank you that you have given me a word for your people today. And Lord, I thank you that you've anointed your word. Now I ask that you anoint me. I ask that you give me great liberty in preaching that I might preach your word with power. And that those who come under the sound of my voice, whether here at this moment or in future days as they watch this message, that they will hear your word and it will penetrate their life and they'll be changed. I pray Holy Ghost come, come in power. People just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Spirit of the living God, come, come in power and in might. And Lord, I pray that when we leave today, we will know we've heard from you and our lives will be changed. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Just as the governor has his State of the State address and our president in a couple days will have the State of the Union address, I share each year the state of the church address, and I give you a word for that year. Today, as I'm preaching here right now, there are many of you watching in the extensions, and I say aloha to you. There will be many that will be watching a week after this message today. As many of you know, last year when I stood before you, the word that God gave us for the year... Of 2018 was the word strength. Everybody say strength. You say, God, did God fulfill that word? Oh my, did he fulfill it. We became stronger in prayer. More people were at the early morning prayer meetings in all of our locations this last year than any before in our history. We became stronger in life groups, our small group ministry. Here on Maui alone, we grew to over 550 life groups. Our goal is 1,000, and we're believing that this year we'll be hitting 700. That's just on Maui. We grew as a people in our giving. As a church as a whole, we gave more resources to the kingdom of God in one year than we've ever done in the history of our church. Somebody say hallelujah. Now our bills were greater than ever before. But I am so thankful for giving people. We became stronger in our extensions. We grew in the number of extensions. Today as I stand before you, We are one church in 230 congregations all over Hawaii, all over the mainland, and all over the world. And by the year 2020, we will be in 300 locations. Somebody say amen. In fact, in the next two months, we're already slated to try to open another 17 extensions. There were many testimonies Of families becoming strong in their relationships this last year. Testimonies of families that were healed emotionally, financially, and physically. Everybody say strength. Well, that was the year, 2018. You say, Pastor, what's the word for today? Well, it's a word that's been on my heart for the last two or three months. I can't get away from it. Every time I minister to my life groups, in fact, when I was speaking at the vision conference uh, a week ago on a Saturday morning, I got up and I spoke a word. What was very interesting, I had so been embraced by this word that I thought, well, boy, I've got to get a different word because I've I've already spoken about this. And I was sitting in a staff meeting this week when I was sharing about what the state of the church address would be. And one of the brothers sitting in that room said, Pastor, he said, You know, when you spoke Saturday morning at the vision conference, I thought that was the state of the church address. And God used that word to affirm to me that where I was was right on target. The word for 2019 is multiply. Everybody say multiply. Turn to your neighbor and say, multiply. I want everyone to say this with me. I am blessed and I will multiply. Come on, everybody, on three. One, two, three. I am blessed and I will multiply. I want you to get that in your spirit. In fact, you can really get excited by saying, We are blessed and we will multiply. Ready? One, two, three. We were blessed and we will multiply. Now, you might say, well, pastor, what's the deal? Well, if you look at scripture, when God blesses someone, they multiply. Over and over and over again, when God blesses, part of the blessing is multiplication. Look at what he says to Adam and Eve in Genesis 1.28. He blessed Adam and Eve, and he said these words, Be fruitful and multiply. In Genesis 9.1, he speaks to Noah. He says, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply. In verse 7 of chapter 9 of Genesis, he says, And you, be ye fruitful and multiply. Bring forth in the earth and multiply therein. You'll notice in Genesis 12 when he called Abraham out of Haran where he was living to go to a place he'd never gone before. In verse 2 he said, And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, curse them that curse thee. And in, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. He said, you're going to multiply your influence so that all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Wow. When Abraham came to Bethel and he built an altar there in Genesis 13 in the land of Canaan, it's interesting in verse 16, God said to him, and I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then, then, then shall thy seed be numbered wow everybody say multiply when god blesses something it multiplies in genesis 15:5 you'll notice that god made a covenant with abraham there and uh, you'll notice that he says to abraham look up in the heavens and, t- and and see these stars and if thou can number them he said unto him so shall, shall thy seed be your seed's going to be like the stars Everybody say multiply. You'll notice that in Genesis seventeen twelve, when Abraham was ninety-nine years old, his wife was ninety, the Lord appeared to them. He said, I am the Almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. Everybody say multiply. And then you'll notice in Genesis 26, 4, God speaks to Jacob's father, Isaac, the son of Abraham. And he says, And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of the heaven, and give unto thy seed all the countries are in thy seed, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Wow. Everybody say, multiply. Well, that brings me then to our text. You say, well, pastor, what does this text have to do with multiply? Well, I want you to notice something about Jacob. Now, Jacob is the grandson of Abraham. Jacob's father is Isaac. Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. And you'll notice that Jacob came out second, Esau came out first, so Esau was the firstborn. In fact, the way Jacob got his name is that he had his hand on the heel of his brother as they were coming out uh, of their mom. So they called him hand on the heel. That's what Jacob means. And some people have said, well, it means deceiver. Well, whatever it means, that's why they named him. In ancient times, if you had one arm, they'd probably call you one arm the rest of your life. If you had gray hair when you were born, you'd be called gray hair all the rest of your life. You were named by who? what What was going on at the time or something about you. Now, he he has an aspect about himself, Jacob did, where he wanted to be the firstborn. So he cooks up some stew. His brother comes in from the field, is hungry. He says, I want some of that stew. And Jacob said, I'll sell it to you for your birthright. And Esau was so dumb, he sold his birthright for a pot of... S- Soup, forage. I know people like that today that sell, sell things, sell their lives, give in to the devil for absolutely nothing, a bowl of soup. And so he sold his birthright to Jacob, and Jacob was all excited. Now he had the birthright. But he needed the blessing, so he deceives his father, gets the blessing, and by this time Esau says, I'm going to kill that boy. And Mama heard about it, so she said to Jacob, Jacob, you've got to leave. You can need to go over to my brother's place uh, and uh, stay there a while until Esau cools down. So, so Re- Rebekah's mama goes to Isaac and says, Look, I don't want my son marrying any Canaanite woman. So send him over to our family so he can find a wife. And so Isaac blesses Jacob and off he goes. Now the reason he was leaving was because he was fleeing his brother Esau. And he comes to a place and spends the night in this place. It's the place is called Luz, L-U-Z. Well, while he's sleeping, he has this dream, this vision of a staircase touching earth, but coming out of heaven. And angels were coming up and down that staircase. And God stood at the top of that staircase and revealed himself to Jacob. Here he meets the God of Abraham, Isaac. And he meets him at the same place that Abraham, his grandfather, met him, at Bethel. Wow. And he rests at Bethel there. He sleeps at Bethel and God reveals himself to him and blesses him there. And then he goes off to his uncle Laban's house. And he's there for 20 years. And 20 years later, he comes back to Bethel. 20 years later, he comes full circle. Everybody say full circle. And the title of my message is full circle. He starts out at Bethel with a revelation of God and God says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to take care of you. And God sends him back to Bethel. And while he's there again, God blesses him again. Now what's interesting is what happened in that 20 years in spite of having to work for 14 years just for his wives, and having only six years to build up his, his flocks, and by the fact that his uncle Laban cheated him 10 times in wages, because God had promised Jacob there at Bethel that he would be with him. It says in Genesis 34, 3, Genesis 30, verse 43. Jacob grew exceedingly prosperous, and came to own large flocks, and maid servants, and men servants, and camels, and donkeys. Everybody say God blessed him. Everybody say God blessed him, and multiplied him. You say, well, Pastor, what does that have to do with me? I got good news. Forget it. I won't tell you. I said I got good news. God is blessing you. And this year, this year, God wants to multiply you in greater measure than you've ever been multiplied before. I believe God is speaking to us. And I think you need to see something about the word multiply. It is a command and a blessing. Everybody say it with me. It is a what? And a uh, You see, we need to do our part, and God will bless it. And that's how we see it when you look at Jacob's life. Now, we've noticed that God blessed him greatly in spite of all the problems he had. God blessed him. But there were seven things that Jacob did that I believe positioned himself to receive the blessing of the Lord. And I want you to notice these seven things. Write it in your notes. First thing, he came into covenant with God. Everybody say he made covenant. Right there at Bethel, he made covenant. God appeared to him. He made covenant. You say, well, how did he make covenant? Look at how he says this. It's amazing there in Genesis 28. He makes covenant, and he expresses the covenant by tithing, by saying, I'll return the 10%. Now, wait a minute. Hold it. Stop everything. This is way before the law. The law doesn't show up till almost 500 years later with Moses at the burning bush. This is, this is something that Abraham did when he tied to Melchizedek, after destroying the armies who had captured his nephew. What is this about? Nobody has said that's something you're supposed to do. Nothing has been mentioned in the scriptures other than Abraham tithe. But he knew instinctively, listen to me, he knew instinctively when you make covenant with God, there's some expression you must make that says, I'm in covenant with God. There's not any better than, of course, living a holy life, but also taking care of your finances, where your finances is a symbol that God is in control of everything and that he's going to multiply me. So when I tithe, I'm declaring, I will multiply. God's going to bless me. God's going to bless me. So he came into covenant. Listen, everyone in this room needs to come into covenant with God as your Savior and Lord. When Jesus died on that cross, in fact, at the end of our service today, we'll receive communion. That is a covenant meal. It says, I belong to Jesus. And we participate in taking the cup and the bread. And we are declaring we're in covenant with God. It's exactly what happened at Mount Sinai when Moses and the elders of Israel sat and ate with God. It was a part of what a covenant was. And so... We make covenant by receiving Christ as our savior and then celebrating communion. And part of that covenant is to live for him. And part of it is to be certain that our finances are under his control as well. But secondly, you'll notice that, that Jacob stayed free of defilement. He cleaned house. There in Genesis 35 too, he says, get rid of idols Get rid of the idols. He told all his servants, and give me all your idols, and they buried them, got rid of them. Now, think about this a moment. He did his part. He got rid of the defilement. Now, here's what's amazing: in our lives, living in our culture, we can become defiled through the internet, through movies we see, sometimes even with relationships or places we go. And we need to get rid of that stuff. We need to put. We need to put. Uh, Uh, fences if we need to around our lives. If you have a problem with the internet, get rid of the internet. And if you have to have it for your job, then have somebody that that can look at what you're looking on the internet and keep you responsible so that you don't become defiled. If you're in some kind of relationship that you know what you're doing is wrong, stop it already. Are you hearing me? And I'll tell you why this was so important for Jacob. Because Jacob did his part. Here's what God did. His family had done something really bad. And all of the townspeople were going to kill, were going to kill the family. Are you hearing? We're going to kill the family. They were gonna kill Jacob and his children. And what happened was that when he got rid of all the idols, it says the fear of God came on all those towns. They didn't lift a finger against it. Listen, you want protection? Get rid of your idols. Somebody say, Amen. You see, you do your part, God does His part to fulfill His promise. Thirdly, you'll notice we need to be a worshiper in Genesis 35 verse 1 and in verse 14. He builds an altar. and He worships God at that altar. You need to have an altar of worship, the house of God, the church. You need to be here not once a year, not maybe once because somebody's getting married or somebody's dying. Or whatever, there's a funeral. I see people I never see except at funerals and weddings. What a shame. All of us need to be worshipers of the Lord. And this is God's house. In fact, Paul writes about that when the gathered church comes together, we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. You say, well, pastor, I thought that's what we are personally. Yes, we are. But there's a unique work of the Holy Ghost when we all gather. So be committed to the house of the Lord. Somebody say amen. But fourthly, be obedient to God's word. Now you say, well, how did that work? You see, when he became a worshiper, at every time he worshipped, God reaffirmed his covenant, his promises. When you gather here to worship, God's going to have something said in that service that's going to reaffirm to you what God wants to do in your life. And fourthly, when he was obedient to God, you see, God speaks to him and says, I want you to, in fact, What he said, go back to the land of your fathers and to your relations and I will be with you. He's here, he's he's with his wives and children and his flocks and God says, you leave Laban's place, you go back to your family, you go back to your home. Well, he had to obey. Now, what is interesting to me is there in Genesis 31, 3, when he seeks to obey, he got into trouble by obeying God because Laban found out about it and ran after him, and Laban was going to do him harm. But in the middle of the night, God appears to Laban and says, You better not touch the boy, or you're a dead man. You're in trouble. Now here's what God will do. You obey him. God will make ways where there are no ways. God will be a shield around you. Somebody say, Amen. That's why you got to get into his word. That's why you need to hear the word preached. That's why you need to get into a life group and grow in the things of God. But fifth, you'll notice what he did, is he prayed. Everybody say, pray. You'll see this in Genesis 32, 9. In fact, it's a profound prayer. He prays just before Laban catches up with him. And listen to how he prayed. It's amazing. Oh, God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, oh, Lord, you said to me, go back to your country and your relatives, and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two groups. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. What happened is that he got through the trial with Laban Because God intervened now, he's having to face Esau. And what scared the living daylights out of Esau, his brother, is he got a report that Esau was coming to him with 400 men. You don't have 400 armed men to come and say hi. You have 400 armed men to destroy whoever's coming against you. And between the time that Esau left with his 400 men that were rapidly closing in on Jacob and his families, he prays and he seeks God. And he said, God, you promised. Listen, this is your deal, God. You told me to go back. Hello, God. You got to change something. I'm I'm, I'm history. My family's history. Listen, when we pray, it's not some little thing we do. We literally release the hand of God to operate in our world. That's why Jesus said, Pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer is the mechanism God has chosen to use to release his power in the world. Because he's looking for somebody who will ask. Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. He waits for you and me to ask. And when we honestly ask, and we're living for him, he moves on our behalf. That's why this church is so committed to prayer. I've been in churches all across America, some of them huge. They don't pray. They may have one prayer meeting a week and a handful of people show up. Every extension of this house, every morning, 5.30 to 6.30, we pray. Hundreds and hundreds of people gather every morning to pray, every day. At 6 this morning, the the prayer chapel was filled with people praying, and they weren't just meditating on their navel. They were praying out loud, believing God for the services today, all day today, and what God's going to do this week. I know God's going to bless you because those folks prayed. Don't you ever allow the enemy to rob you of the importance of praying. Jacob prayed, and because he prayed, God intervened. Between the time he prayed and the time Esau came to him, Esau's heart was changed. And instead of killing Jacob, he embraced, and they wept together. Wow! But sixth, you'll notice that Jacob persevered, and God gave him a new name and a transformed life. In our encounters, we talk a lot about what happened there in Genesis 32. It's a point where, I'll read it to you starting at verse 9, it's very fascinating. And uh, you'll notice that there in verse 22 of, of Genesis 32, it talks about that night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants, and he had them go across the brook, and he was all alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Wow. Oh, you got to say that. I will not let you go unless you bless me. Come on, say it with me. I will not let you go unless you bless me. That's what you call perseverance. And the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Wow. And then he blessed him. So what was that about? I believe this is what's called a theophany. That is an appearance of God prior to when Jesus came at Bethlehem. I believe it was Jesus who was wrestling with. God himself who came in human flesh for just a moment in time, which was kind of prophetic act of one day he would come be born among us and live among us, die and rise from the dead. And Jacob, life was transformed. You say, how do you know that? Because he had a new name. When, when you change the name of somebody, it was like changing their life. And he gave him a new name, Israel. He struggled with God and won. Or prince with God interesting about it he persevered he said look I'm not gonna let you go until you bless me so oftentimes we need to realize that part of what we need to do as believers is to continue to grow in the things of God persevere Peter writes in 2nd Peter 1 5 add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge to knowledge self-control to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. That is, we need to persevere in our growth in God. Don't ever be someone who said, Well, 20 years ago, I gave my heart to the Lord. But you've never grown in those 20 years. How horrible it would be if a baby stayed a baby for 20 years. After a while, it wouldn't be cute anymore. You'd realize something's wrong here. And some Christians have never grown in God. They've never persevered. God can't use them because they're not willing to be used because they've never said, God, I won't let you go till you bless me. In fact, when Jacob was touched by this being from heaven, it said his hip, from that point on, he limped. It was a picture of humility. You have an encounter with God. You're never the same again. Wow. And God turned that situation to something good in Jacob's life, a new name. Well, finally, it says Jacob worked hard. Everybody said he worked hard. And so turn to your neighbor and say, work hard. Yeah, I didn't want to hear that. I just want to hang out. I live on Maui. No. You can live on Maui and still work hard. Then go to the beach when you're not working. Hallelujah. Listen to what it says in Genesis 31.6. This is Jacob talking to his wife. You know that I've worked for your father with all my strength. Say it with me. With all my strength. Yet your father has cheated me by changing my wages ten times. However, God has not allowed him to harm me. Listen to me, please. Hear me. If you will serve the Lord, whether you're serving the Lord in a ministry, serving the Lord on a job, you, you're, not, you're not working for the boss that you're working for. You're working for the big boss, God himself. And he sees everything you do, so you work hard. Don't waste your time. Don't, don't just spend time when you're getting paid by somebody and not doing what they told you you need to do. Are you hearing me? Because here's what will happen if you work hard. If you'll work hard with all your strength, God will intervene on your behalf. I said, God will intervene on your behalf. And even if you have a boss that's a jerk, hello. God can bypass that jerky boss and still bless you. Are you hearing me? He can get you even a better job. He can help in every situation. And it goes true for for the blessing of God. You do your part he'll do his part don't plan on saying well God you got to do your part but you don't do what he's told you to do are you hearing me everybody heard me say amen. Amen that brings me then to the final part of what I believe God's saying to us yes we need to position ourselves to continue in the blessing of the Lord as Jacob did but secondly we must contend for his promises to be fulfilled by standing in faith you see the enemy wants to bring barrenness in all of our lives we have a promise from God we're going to be fruitful and multiply and the enemy goes no not on my watch I'm gonna make you barren but I got good news for you the barrenness of the enemy will not rob you of the promise of God did you know that all three listen to me now Abraham had a promise that he would be fruitful and multiply. He married a woman by the name of Sarah. She was barren. She couldn't have children. His son Isaac married a woman named Rebecca. She was barren. She couldn't have children. And then Jacob married his wife Rachel, and she was barren. Now you go, now wait a minute. How does this work? How could God give a promise, and yet every one of them be barren? It's because... The way God works is beyond what you can do or think. You do your part, he'll do his part. His part is he does the miracles. And here's what happened. Sarah had a child, even in her old age. Rebecca had twins. And, And Rachel had Joseph. A great man who God used mightily to save his entire family.
0: Wow, are you
1: listening to me? Don't you allow the enemy to make you think you're barren because there's a God who can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask or think. Oh, I blew it, Pastor, I blew it. Well, join the club. But God is still at work to change things if you'll stand in faith. Believe His promise. This is my year this is my year. You know what is so amazing to me is that the second aspect of standing in faith is seen by Jacob doing something very unusual. You see Jacob believed that God would multiply him. Now get this, he had to work 14 years just to marry the wives he had. All right, And he only had six years to get his own flocks together. But here's what Jacob did. He made a deal with Uncle Laban. Now Laban was crafty. And I'll I'll tell you something. If you have a problem with deceiving people, guess what? God's going to bring a deceiver in your life to really mess you up. So what you sow is what you're going to reap. And boy, did Jacob reap. But Jacob did one thing right. He made covenant with God and God intervened for him. Now listen to me. This is interesting. Laban makes a deal with Jacob. Here's here's, Here's the rules of engagement. He says, okay, Jacob, here's what we're going to do spotted or speckled or or off-colored sheep or goat comes that's your pay all right but what Laban does is he leaves with Jacob only the full-colored goats and sheep he takes all the speckled and spotted and off-colored goats and sheep and takes them far away so there's no possible way that these white sheep are going to end up with speckled and spotted sheep. It's impossible. DNA. It's impossible. But not to Jacob. Jacob had a word from God, I will multiply. So you know what Jacob does? He does the strangest thing. He takes sticks and he pulls some of the bark off the sticks. So they look speckled and striped and and he throws them into the watering troughs. And here's his theory. When the animals look at those sticks, they're going to birth speckled and spotted sheep and goats. And you know what? He didn't just do that. You know what he did? When some weak sheep and goats came to the trough, he didn't want their offspring. So he took the sticks out of the watering trough so they wouldn't look at it. So Laban got all the weak sheep and goats, and Jacob got all the speckled and spotted sheep and goats, because they looked at those sticks. You go, now that is insane. Jacob, didn't you know about genetics? Speckled and spotted sheep and goat don't come from looking at sticks. It had nothing to do with genetics. It had everything to do with the power of God to work because Jacob had faith to believe God was going to multiply. Something's got to get in your head. God wants to do beyond what you think. And those sticks and those watering troughs was his declaration, his hope that God is going to multiply my flocks and I'm going to have Speckled, spotted sheep and goats. And sure enough, God changed the molecular structures. (laughs) And he had what he asked. Jesus said to someone, I didn't like what Jesus said. He said, according to your faith, be it done unto you. I don't like that in the Bible. That means I have a responsibility, to have faith to believe that God's going to do something. Jacob believed. And then God brings him back all the way. Back to Bethel. Everybody say full circle. circle. Everybody say "Full full circle. He starts out at Bethel. He comes back to Bethel. And he's reminded again. I want everybody to say remember. Everybody say remember. The third thing we need to do is to remember what God has done. What God has done. Pastor Colleen mentioned it a little bit in her offering teaching. When he brings Jacob back to Bethel, Jacob cannot help but remember that he was there with only a staff in his hand and a promise from God that God gave him that night at Bethel. And now he's back at Bethel. Multiplied children, sheep, goats, everything. I was, uh, I had an interesting experience even as I prepared this message. As many of you know, here on Maui, our vision for our whole church is one, two, three, a hundred extensions in the U.S., 200 overseas and 30,000 people in our life groups and ministries. That's for our whole church. But on Maui, we have what we call the 10-10-10 vision. Ministering to 10,000 people weekly, 1,000 life groups, and 10 extensions. Well, we've already reached the 10 extensions, praise God. While I'm preaching here, there are 10 other places that are hearing the gospel on Maui as I'm preaching to you. Some of them are on live right now. And we're moving very quickly toward that thousand mark with our life groups. But I thought, Lord, 10,000 people weekly. We're running about 3,000 here on Maui, and of course our whole church is massive, but just here on Maui. I said, Lord, how are you gonna do that? We only got a year and a half left. And the Lord said, "Uh, remember something, son. When I brought you to Maui, I brought you to a church of 100 people. I gave you a vision of a massive church, but there were only 100 people that you saw, 80 adults when I first preached at the little church on County Street. And then he said, what did I do the first Sunday when you became the pastor? He doubled the church in one Sunday. There were over 200 people in church. Within a year, we had grown seven times our original size. Within a year and a half, we had grown to over 1,000 people on Maui, 10 times the original size in just 18 months. We became the fastest growing church in America. You go, and, and so I'm, I'm, I'm reminded of what he did. And here's what he said, full circle. What I did 38 years ago, I can do again. I said, I can do it again. But now, when you view things from that perspective, all of a sudden everything changes. All right, God, let's go do this. You see, something has to trigger in our minds of the greatness of God to fulfill what He has promised in your life. You're blessed, that blessing includes multiplication. We're blessed as a church, God will multiply us. So I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't either. But I know he's done it once. He can do it again. Nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is impossible with God. So what do you do when you're reminded of what God's done? That's the fourth thing. You praise the Lord. You praise him. You praise him. You praise him. You worship the Lord. Wow. Instead of complaining about the barrenness, praise the Lord, because the Lord is going to make you fruitful. In Isaiah 54, 1, it says, Sing, O barren woman, you who never bore a child. Burst into song. Shout for joy. Wow. You see, we always kind of wait around till God does something, and then we're so dead that even when He does something, we don't praise Him. We need to praise Him now and believe that this year, Everybody say this year. this year will be my year, a blessing, blessing and multiplication. multiplication. Say it with me as you stand to your feet,
0: worship team. I
1: am blessed.
0: I am blessed,
1: and I will multiply. And I will multiply. We are blessed. We are
0: blessed, and our church will multiply. Our church will multiply. Put your hands together for Jesus, now won't you? Do you do your part. Lord, we declare that over our lives. We declare the multiplication of heaven upon our lives, upon our families, upon the church, the vision of kings worldwide. We declare that we're blessed and we will multiply. Say it again. We're blessed and we will multiply. Hallelujah. Every head bowed, every eye closed all across this place. If you're not right with God, don't leave this place in that condition. Give your life to Jesus. Repent of your sin. Receive him as your Lord and Savior. That's the first step. Make a covenant with God. He reaches out to you through my voice right now and invites you to come to have your sin forgiven, to be washed, to be cleansed, no matter what age you are. If you're a child here, You're hearing my voice. He loves you. He's got a great plan for you. Give your life to him. Repent of your sin. Ask Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. Bow your head all across this place. Those online, those listening at home or on devices all across the land. If you're not right with God, you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or you want to make a recommitment to him, if that's you, would you slip your hand up right now? You say, that's me, Pastor. God bless you, son the way in the back, thank you, I see that hand sweetheart, lift your hand high, God bless you over there, thank you thank you son, thank you I see that hand, thank you for your honesty all the way in the back again, thank you Lord hallelujah, thank you I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand again in the back there, thank you, my goodness, beautiful if you want to get right with Jesus, you raised your hand or you didn't, but you know you need to be included in this prayer I want to invite you to meet me Right here, right now. Just come. Come meet me right here. Come on. Oh, it's beautiful. Come on, if you need to be up here, you come. No matter what age you are, come right now. heads all across this place pray this prayer right out loud say dear heavenly father thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place and rise again from the grave for me forgive me of all of my sin and just as Jesus rose again from the grave raise my life up now be my Lord be my Savior. Wash me and cleanse me. And make me new. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. And help me to live for you all of my days. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray, to fill and touch these in the name of Jesus. Fill and touch these. You have the freedom to pray in the spirit. Go ahead and do it right now. Lord, touch right now. Hallelujah. Come on, I want you to say, I'm blessed. And I will multiply. Okay, make it corporate. We're blessed. We're blessed. And we will multiply. You believe that? Say amen. We're going to reach a 1,000 souls between now and March 7th. That's part of multiplication. That's the word of the Lord for 2019 is multiply. Multiply. Say it. Multiply. Like I say, I'm going to multiply. The kingdom of God is going to multiply. My finances are going to multiply. I'm going to have a multiplication of favor, increase of every kind. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you. Lord, let explosive growth come to us. As we reach to lost. Let our life groups multiply. Come on, just a few more moments and service is over. Let all of our life groups multiply. Let our children's workers and children's ministries multiply again. Lord, let our youth ministry, youth group multiply. The conference, the prophetic conference to multiply, Lord. Let multiplication come on every aspect, Lord, of what we're doing. That is an aspect of the kingdom starts as a mustard seed and then becomes like a huge tree. God, do that. Multiply, multiply, multiply in the name of Jesus. Minister Ava, are we set for tonight? Very good. Uh, we have uh, trained presbytery, prophetic presbytery teams. Minister Ava is ahead of that. And so I'm going to invite you to come. Kids, you can go on sit down with mom and dad. We're so glad you came and gave your heart to Jesus retreat Dreams, will you come, please? If you want prayer and you want to receive a word from the Lord and receive encouragement, prayer, healing, perhaps, you come and stand in front of one of these teams and they'll minister to you. Let me close. Thank you for turning out tonight. So the word for 2019 is multiply. Amen. Father, thank you for what you've done. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance to us. Be gracious to us. Keep us. Give us peace in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night. Revival Wednesday night. Don't miss it. Invite someone. It's going to be amazing.